0: Hey guys, welcome to the 7 Figure Box Podcast. My name is Andrew Frezza and today I'm joined by a very special guest. I have Marcus Gersey from Jim Wright in the House. Welcome to the show, Marcus.
1: Uh, thanks for having me on, Andrew. Stuck to be here.
0: Cool. So I said in the house, but he's really across, across the country in California, three hours behind. Um But I'm excited to have Marcus on the show. So Marcus has been Uh, one of the most, possibly the most influential person in my business over the last few years. I first met Marcus in November of 2016 at the Barbell Mastermind um, that was put on by Barbell Shrugged at the time and uh, had heard him on the Barbell Business Podcast multiple times before that and was was always someone that I kept, uh, loved his answers on the show. He was the person that I kind of respected the most on that show and found myself gravitating towards Um, the stuff that he was talking about. And then um, we actually started working with Marcus and it was called Barbell Logic at the time, which is now Jim Wright. And um, in August of 2017 for CrossFit Palm Beach and the first six months of working with them, our business just exploded. It was the most rapid growth we've ever experienced. Um, You know, some things happened that they helped us with, some things, some outside things happened as well, but it was just the perfect storm. And And uh, our gym revenue increased by almost 50% in the first six months of working with them. And we really haven't looked back since. So I I owe a lot to Marcus. And he's since been a mentor to me with the gym, but also with uh, the 7 Figure Box podcast you guys are listening to, the Rockstar Coaching Course. He's helped me in a number of ways. So uh, first off, just thank you, Marcus, for all the help along the way. I really appreciate everything you've done.
1: Wow, man. Thank you for the kind words. It's been a pleasure.
0: Awesome. So... Today's podcast is mainly talking about the state of the industry and where it's going. You have a very unique perspective. You know, you owned a gym, you, you sold that. Um, and not only are you a business coach, but you also own a, a team of coaches that consults other gyms. And, and you have your hand in a, in a lot of different things as it relates to this industry. So um, can you first just talk about you personally in, in terms of where are you today? What are the things that you're working on you know, how many people are, how many gym owners are you working with coaching at this time? Give us a snapshot of you and where you're at today.
1: Sure. Um, so we have, yeah, we have a wonderful team of coaches, um, that, you know, we work where we specialize in working with, you know, group-based fitness, uh, facilities, uh, primarily CrossFit gyms is where we, where we started and specialized in. Um, but as you know, the industry has evolved and continues to evolve, uh, you know, a pretty rapid clip and what that means is is continuously evolving as well so you know what we do how we do it you know how we help and who we help um, is changing along with that um uh yeah like i said we've got some great coaches we have uh, a program that is always um you know under or in r d and you know constantly evolving when uh currently going through the next iteration of uh, something really exciting actually that we're, we're, we've been working on for quite some time. We'll be rolling out a little bit later on this year. Um, but right now we have the foundations program. It is our eight week intensive for anyone who is looking to, you know, revamp, um, or revitalize their sales and marketing engine for their gym. And that's where they work one-on-one with a coach and we, you know, figure out who they are and where they're at and you know, what it is that they're really trying to accomplish with their business. And then we take them through a process of uh, you know going from you know who their ideal clients are to what their membership offerings are to their sales systems, their onboarding and integration systems, re- retail systems, uh, referrals, upselling, internal marketing, external marketing, and all that good stuff. To basically at the end of these eight weeks, um, have a completely new engine driving the business that is actually in line with who they are, what they're trying to accomplish, who their ideal clients are, their local marketplace and their specific definition of, or their unique definition of success um, and make sure everything is going in the right direction.
0: Cool. So you mentioned you're working with both, you know, just, just basically group-based gyms like uh, fitness gyms. What percentage are CrossFit gyms and what percentage aren't and, and has that evolved over the last uh, year or two for you guys?
1: it's actually evolved a ton over the last year or two. Um, I would still say that the lion's share of people that we work with are CrossFit gyms. Um, and, you know, and I say that kind of loosely because not necessarily everyone is affiliated anymore or, uh, you know, but the, the business model, the, 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 the business style and their offering is still what we would consider, you know, a CrossFit gym. Yeah. And, um, I would definitely say that's the majority. probably a good 60 to 70 percent are still that that model. But, you know, there there is this hybrid or actually a few hybrid models we're starting to see, uh, which are really interesting, um, you know, where people are bridging the gap more between your traditional CrossFit gym and um, in some cases your more boot camp or boutique, you know, individualized facilities or, um, you know, people bringing in other methodologies and creating hybrid facilities altogether where it's uh, even more evenly distributed between, let's say they have CrossFit programs, they have their, maybe it's a yoga program or their, you know, powerlifting programs to where those used to really just be like kind of secondary programs and almost afterthoughts as, hey, this is something cool we can provide. And they're becoming bigger cornerstones of the business.
0: Is there anybody, any specific examples that you can think of of, of people that are are really doing something, Maybe not the thing itself isn't that unique, but it, it's 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 not a CrossFit class and it's not maybe just your typical uh, you know boot camp or light version style class. Anybody doing something that's a little bit different that that's knocking out of the park and that you have found really interesting yourself?
1: Yeah, the the thing that I I am seeing happening um, that's working the best at the moment for this kind of overall evolution, I'd say, uh, of that business model is the integration of of like functional bodybuilding or more aesthetic based training mm-hmm. um and you know it's c- kind of tricky to explain but it's where it's almost like they're taking the the all the knowledge and the the technicality that came with you know running a, a fantastic crossfit gym and then applying some traditional bodybuilding principles and and kind of doing this mashup of these methodologies where they're using functional training, um, and, and then more bodybuilding style. And when I mean that it's not like that concept's new, right? Functional bodybuilding has been kind of getting traction now for the last couple of years, but it's, it's how they're running the classes, how they are, you know, the types of offerings that they have people doing small group. And again, depends on, on the business model, right? Are they going for more boutique style? Are they going more for the bigger box? Um, but. It's that that combination that I'm seeing get the best reaction from a lot of markets as well as, you know, gym owners who are now finding a sweet spot uh, between that that smart functional training and really helping people get what they want what, because I think the marketplace evolving and people being a little bit more um, educated all around around what what fitness is, what being healthy is, you know, there's been a lot of a lot that's happened in the last decade for, for the, just the the general marketplace. And that's really largely thanks to CrossFit and all the movements that it began or kind of revitalized. And now we're kind of seeing these worlds like collide back together in, in a really cool way. And I think it's fun to see how people are, are, are using what they learned in helping, you know, people move well and, you know, truly just understand what, what good movement is, what good dieting is, what, you know, good, um, uh, you know, intensity is, and then bringing in like, okay, well, we'll use this now to make you look and feel good. And that's, like I said, been really well received.
0: Yeah. I think, I mean, that's something that we've really incorporated a lot into our beach fit program is those functional body, bodybuilding elements, a lot of tempo work, you know, a lot of dumbbells and kettlebells. Right. And, and I think the, the original boot camp style class, cause we're we're using that, like if you use that category very loosely, was just about like getting in and getting sweaty, and I think it's it's really cool for for me. I, I love the Beach Fit program in the sense of it it still fulfills that programming and coaching aspect for me. I don't feel like it's a watered down version for us, and I'd like to see more gyms do that where you know they're 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 going in with the goal to make people better. It doesn't quite look like you know snatches and rope climbs and handstand pushups, but you can still you know, really utilize your knowledge and, and get people better and possibly do it in a safer way, you know, with a little less risk as well. So it's cool. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, so what are what are some of the trends that you're seeing that you feel like, you know, because I, I think this is a trend that is is a good one. I could see that, that yes, it's probably more buzzword now, but I think it's a trend that can last for, for a while because it's taking two good things and making them better, kind of like CrossFit did.
1: Mm-hmm. What are
0: some trends that you're seeing that, that you don't feel like are beneficial, um, and, and it could be anything. It doesn't have to be in, in terms of the class structure. But what are what are any trends that y- when you hear a gym owner kind of bring up in a call, you're like, oh, oh crap! Like, let me see if I can steer them away from this thing because it's probably going to throw them off.
1: I'd say the biggest thing that I'm seeing is um, the the desire just to chase the buck. There's been, a, I think, a big push this last, you know, 18 months, 24 months um, to just, you know, kind of, you know, people being fed up with, you know, being broke and, you know, running these businesses, not making any money. Um, and, you know, where they were just focused on the members and the community and all that to kind of the polar opposite now to where it's like, well, I'm, I'm just going to go all in. It's all about the money. I don't care about, you know, whatever, whatever it takes to make more money. And it's it's kind of like the same same thing that you see oftentimes just in the the overall entrepreneur community where it's just about like putting big numbers up on the board whether it's overall member count or dollars and all that and don't get me wrong it's all about you know it, this you know running a great gym should be a balance between those two right it, i'm I'm not by any means saying that that's not critical to the formula but the, the big shift I'm seeing is people kind of letting go from the quality and community aspect, willing to sacrifice those elements just to make more money. And it's it's unfortunate because, you know, there are tools and there are services and things out there that will help you pour rocket fuel on, you know, growth, whether that's just an overall acquisition or it's selling, you know, different packages and all that, um, which in, in the right application or with the right systems can work beautifully and be complementary. But I think oftentimes they're not looking at the entire business system and looking at like, okay, how can I make sure that this complements my mission and what I'm trying to accomplish rather than abandoning all that just for the sake of making more money in the short mm-hmm. term. And people are finding themselves then, you know, at first I think really excited at the bigger numbers coming into their bank account. Only to then shortly thereafter, usually three to six months, um, realizing that, oh, crap, I'm not sure I like what this is doing to, to my business. And then now having to correct course yet again and, and, you know, a lot of things that they, they weren't prepared to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's dive deeper into that. It's like one of the things that jumps into my head is like the the six week challenge type stuff where. You're, you're kind of putting all your time and energy into the person that hasn't quite walked through your doors yet and, and potentially at the expense of the person who's already there. I mean, I, I, I've talked to various companies that are running stuff like this and it was like, you know, the thing that stopped us from pulling the trigger on any of these things was like, oh yeah, they're just, just have people come and join your normal classes. And, you know, not only are you have people paying different price points in your classes, but you're, you're taking away from the people that have been there the longest, Um, and that's one of the things that I, I, I think not enough people are thinking about is what is that experience for the veteran? Is it always improving for the veteran or are they always getting the short end of the stick? Is that where you're kind of going with that? Is there other things you're thinking about?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely a great example. I mean, that's, that's gotten a lot of attention in these last couple of years. And by no means do I think that that's not a a phenomenal tactic for a lot of applications. It, It actually truly is, um, you know, a great fit for a lot of gyms, if they would integrate it better into their, their overall business system, right? That Mm -hmm. is the key. It's that people are treating it as a completely separate thing and not taking into consideration a, the, the redirection of your attention and efforts now going all around just aggressive acquisition. And it's all about the new people and the existing people are fine. They're on the program. They're all good. And people kind of just going for the, the, shortcut the silver bullet versus really understanding that this business is about creating lifers and we could we should be using tools and tactics like that i think a little bit with a little bit more thought around okay so how am i going to maybe adjust the tone or the messaging or the experience or and or the program and you know all of the elements for the experience and, and the business side of things to integrate seamlessly into it. I have nothing against those six-week challenges. I think that a lot of the people who are out there are offering these services and programs are doing brilliant work um, and are phenomenal at what they do. My hat is off to them. I just think that the people who are integrating it are looking at it as a silver bullet solution instead of looking at it as, okay, let me see what this, what this is and why this is working so well and then how I can make this my own a little bit better without sacrificing those things and, and looking at it as a holistic system always, rather than just these like kind of cobbled together strategies and then wondering why what goes in the front end doesn't match what comes in, comes out on the other end.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of like the, the mistake I've seen with gym owners is they're, they're focused on the the front end revenue and it doesn't matter how much you're charging that revenue is almost never going to be enough to provide any type of long-term solution for you. Because one, you probably have a lot of costs. Some of these uh, you know, uh, challenge companies are super expensive. And it, it looks like big numbers you're dealing with, but the profit's really not there. So, I, I remember when we did it, actually, we worked with we worked with New You Challenge once or twice, and it was great for us. And, and mm-hmm. it was kind of a tactical thing. But the reason we didn't have to go back and do it again is because it worked for us and we added consistent members that then added referrals to us and we didn't have to keep kind of going back to this at that time. Um, But the the main thing for us was like, it doesn't matter what happens if this person doesn't become it get to the three to six month member mark. It's all it's all lost. All that work is for nothing, essentially. 100%.
1: 100%. You know, our philosophy is, you know, someone is not really considered a successful acquisition until they've made it to the six-month mark and are a raving fan. Everything that we do around acquisition, onboarding, integration, everything, all the messaging, everything is about that concept, right? Is about getting them to that six-month mark and turning them into a raving fan. So um, I think that, you know, a lot of the people who are, you know, who are using these, these systems like you, it's, it can be a great, a great compliment to what they're, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, I think it's really just a matter of, again, making sure that you're not taking, taking your eye off of the longevity ball um, and, you know, getting distracted with just that, that acquisition, because what, what ends up happening, long story short, is that you may have aggressive growth, but because you're not putting the same amount of attention into integration, making sure the perceived value is on point, that they are like truly buying into the bigger concept and bigger value of your program, then what happens is you, your overall lifetime client value oftentimes starts to shrink because mm-hmm. these new people come in and they don't really integrate quite well because they're a different culture. It's a different vibe that they're from where they're starting versus where they are after you know a couple months into the program and what happens is is that you start chasing your tail on well now i've got a you know i've had all this growth i made a bunch of extra money maybe now i expanded i hired people i started paying myself better and they think that this is just how it's always now going to be but then that attrition rate oftentimes will start creeping up on those who aren't implementing correctly and you find yourself in a pretty ugly spot and it's actually leading to quite a few people either shutting their doors or just burning out because it's an unrealistic pace to have to keep up with. The attrition rate starts to go through the roof and your overall um, lifetime client value and just duration shortens. So you have to now market and and acquire even more aggressively to make up for that drop, right? Because you don't want to lose your momentum, so you're, you double down. And yeah. it starts to become this unrealistic chase of you know, just acquisition when really the trick was lock the back door, make it so sticky that when they come in there, they, the likelihood of them leaving, it would be ridiculous for them to leave. Right. And, And I think just that little shift for people can make those six week programs and whatever other, you know, acquisition strategy you've got on the front end. It's not just about the six week challenges. Um, you know, whether whatever low barrier offer or, you know, packaging and bundling and you name it. Whatever that looks like for you, just make sure that it's not just about getting those vanity numbers on the front end and making some money in the short term, but does this really get you to your goal of, you know, having someone around for two, three years at the highest average client value possible?
0: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, you mentioned that six-month mark, which, which I like having that definitive number to shoot for. What are some really tangible things that gym owners can do to get people there, because, you know, we talk about kind of the, the first 90 days is, is such an influential time, um, but I like extending that out to really the first six months. And besides just, you know, having a really great class experience, what are some things that gym owners can do or maybe just, you know, one off examples that you've seen with gym owners you've worked with that have, that have implemented stuff that seems to be doing really well for keeping people through that six month mark so they have the ability to become a
1: raving fan? Uh, well, it's a combination of uh, a variety of phases, I think, that creates the overall effect, right? So it's not going to be just a couple of of quick tactics, although there mm-hmm. are going to be some that are going to give you a lot of bang for your buck. Um, but long story short, it starts all from the very beginning, that very first touch point, and how you're communicating the perceived value, the, the messaging of what the offer is, and the sales process, and making sure that that is a That reflects the quality of your service and what's your, you know, the, the value you're going to put on this thing. Hey, this, this, a program that will likely change your life forever. If I do my job, right. I'm going to, we're not just selling gym memberships here. Our, our mission is to help people radically change their perspective around training, around nutrition, around what they're capable of. And we have an opportunity to make a massive impact on someone's life. And oftentimes that acquisition process is really just around the, the quick acquisition and not considering, Hey, look, you're selling a Porsche, but you're, you're just going for like discount Hyundai, like, you know, sales process, right. you know, I use this analogy often, but it's like, you know, are you going to go to a Hyundai dealership and pay, you know, $120,000 for a new Hyundai with the type of environment sales experience offers? they're completely different, right? Those match the product, right? When you go to a Hyundai dealership and you have the guy coming out and he's, you know, still chewing on his snack and he's like, Hey, how can I help you? You know, is, is very different than when you walk on to say like a Porsche dealership and you've got someone who's well-spoken, not eating when they're, you know, when they're talking to you, you know, and just how they approach you and Hey, can I interest you in an espresso or a champagne or something? You know, have you checked out the new turbo? And it's, it's just a very different experience. And I think that there's a disconnect in people and how they look at sales and the acquisition phase versus the onboarding and integration. And really it's the beginning of the onboarding and integration during sales. So just making sure that your process reflects the quality of what you're going to be offering so that you can, you can have the kind of ask price-wise and that you can, you know, command the kind of perceived value around your programs and your knowledge and what you have to bring to the table um and everything that follows. So that's the first step is taking a look at that. And then the next piece is then looking at what your your onboarding program looks like and making sure again that that also reflects, you know, what your what you're offering the impact you're trying to make that you're educating them accordingly. Onboarding an onboarding or on-ramp program or fundamentals whatever you want to call it. I think a lot of people still look at that as, oh, this is the part where I just teach them the movements. I think that's probably secondary or tertiary to the concept of I'm going to help you get set up for success, right? Movement is just a small part of that. I think it's far more about building the relationship and building context around the conversations we're going to be having around nutrition and, you know, the the types of things that we do here and things you can do to be successful and habits and routines and mindset that are going to ultimately make them far more successful than you know, teaching them how to do a clean and jerk on the third day that they're there, right? So designing a program that that again balances the perceived value and you know that that education um, between you know knowledge and movement, and then once you once you have that piece done, I think a lot of gym owners stop there and think, okay, cool, I did my onboarding program, we're all set, the program will take care of the rest. And oftentimes, you know, these could only be maybe three sessions, five sessions, 10 sessions, and then they're off on their own. So we put a protocol in place between or so once someone finishes onboarding to that six month mark where, you know, simple things like check-ins and seeing, you know, checking their attendance. Hey, how did last month go? And giving them a call every month and saying, hey, I reviewed your attendance. Awesome job. Our goal was to have you in here four days a week. Keep up the good work. Or, hey, I noticed you dropped off a little bit last month. What happened? What can I do to help make sure we get you back on track? I want to make sure you hit your goal. And and just shifting the conversation and the the actions that we have in place in our onboarding and integration to reflect that we are a results-based gym rather than I'm just kind of going through motions and making people feel that we care, making people feel that they're seen and that, you know, we're here to actually help you to your goal, not just sell you a gym membership. And then it's kind of like, well, the rest is up to you. Right. Wow. And I think that making the, the overall tone and process and offers reflect that in itself can already be a total game changer for most gyms. Awesome. I love it. Um, are there any other, are there any other
0: trends that you're seeing in our industry? You, you know, you mentioned this, this, this has shifted so much focus to kind of the, the business side, uh, or, or just the, the pure number side, instead of focusing on that culture and community side. Um, are there any other trends that you're seeing that, um, you know, you don't see as a positive thing or, you know, you think that gym owner should avoid?
1: Well, I mean, I don't want to say necessarily to avoid, but I mean, I, what I'd say to that, I think is just, you know, I think that there is a little bit of a, uh, almost like a death we're going through as, as a community from that, that bigger CrossFit community of gym owners, affiliate owners, there was a really strong culture there. And there was a, you know, people were far more open to helping each other. It was a very, you know, positive and abundance minded, uh, vibe for this community, and it's, it's just, I think, because of the, you know, the competitive nature of a lot of the bigger markets and, you know, just kind of where the industry is as a whole, it's, you know, it's consolidating. It's it's out of that that honeymoon phase to where it is now, you know, it's there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of people armed with a lot of good information. So the bar is higher. And because of that, people are holding their info and everything tighter to the vest. And I, I think that there's just a... A little bit of a, a removal from that community and that culture that i i personally really feel is missing and will or will be missed so mm-hmm. i would just encourage people to to make sure you're still contributing to the greater community that is you know gym owners in our in our community that are trying to do good work and, and helping each other and networking with each other whether that's going to networking events or it's you know uh, online facebook groups and it not just being a big bitch fest about how hard it is and instead getting back to like hey we we're doing important work what's working how can we help each other and and support the overall movement rather than just what's in it for me yeah definitely
0: um so you you mentioned this kind of focus towards the business side and I want to kind of kind of clarify on that as well because I think I I, I, I I definitely see what you're talking about, but I also talk to a lot of people still that still just can't make that leap. And one of the things that I I always point to is like price price raises and pricing being the thing where the numbers just have to work. And I see a lot of gyms mm-hmm. where I look at their pricing. Um, I see this in Miami a lot. Like the 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 most expensive CrossFit gyms in Miami are still charging. 160 a month and they have, I mean, prime real estate in Miami, I know is not cheap, right? The numbers have to work. Whereas you look at any other city and the cheapest gyms are over 200. Um, So I guess how many of the gyms you work with is a price raise a a question, something that you guys, a topic of conversation and then kind of building on that is like, where can we keep our focus on the financial side where it's not going to take away from the community side?
1: Well, the okay, so first part of the question, almost everyone is undercharging. Um, almost everyone that we talk to, I think has um, is undervaluing what they're doing. And obviously, the numbers have to work in order for the business to work, right? You you can't just be unless you, you've you got a, you're sitting on a pile of cash, and you're in the charity business, and you can afford to provide training for, you know, a loss every month as a business. Um, you need to make sure that those numbers work. And it's actually one of the first things we address in our program is we review the service suite, you know, how many options, what you're offering, how does that fit into your local demographic, your ideal client your, mm-hmm. and your business goals, right? Those lenses all have to intersect and where they do, that's gonna be our sweet spot for pricing. And almost everyone For has, those people,
0: uh, Marcus, yeah. for those people, is it mostly that they're undercharging today or is that they have so much, grandfathered old stuff that they haven't brought up over the years that's really hurting or is it a combination of both?
1: In most cases it's still both. Some have already kind of gotten hip to the idea that these numbers don't add up and have tried to do some price raises and things over time and you know some more successfully than others but almost everyone it's uh, for almost everyone it's both is that they've usually got you know obviously depending on how long they've been around you know they usually have their you know their founding members who are paying you know a fraction of what the current rate is and you know then maybe they raise it a little bit and it's oftentimes a, a pretty big mess when it comes to usually going through this for the first time with them because here's the thing most and this is a this is a crazy <laughs> a, a crazy realization that we had when we first started doing this is that most people don't actually know like how their numbers break down because they look at, well, I'm charging 150 bucks a month and I've got hundred people. So, you know, hundred times 150 equals why, right? But that number almost never adds up. Why? Yeah. Because they never factor in all the discounts that they're offering and the old legacy pricing that they still have for, you know, 25% of their membership and so on. Coaches, so,
0: memberships, you know, it's family Exactly
1: right. And it's, yeah. it's usually a pretty serious come to Jesus when we go through numbers and we go through the money mapping exercise and analyze where we are and, you know, what's working and not working about our numbers and then looking at our goals and where we're trying to go and having to bridge that gap. So in most cases it's a price raise for both, but in in some cases, you know, there's, that's not an option. Some people have made, uh, unfortunately made commitments to people saying, I'm never gonna raise your rate even though you're only paying you know fifty bucks a month for something I charge want to charge two twenty five for now. Mm-hmm. Um, so unfortunately, you know it's we're limited sometimes, but either way, we figure out how to get them to where they need to go uh, pricing wise and even if it's just raising that price for net new and or meeting older people halfway or a full price raise, that's always Personalized, uh, you know, specific to each user case.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember when we first started working with Jim Wright, um, just just having just visiting and seeing monthly numbers every single month. And at first, it it took us having to send them into our business coach every month to kind of follow through with it. And it's it's kind of embarrassing to say at this point because it wasn't that long ago. Um, you know, and numbers were okay. We I think we had a little bit of that uh, eye opening moment. I think it sounds like most gyms have it worse than we do. Um there was only a few things that we were doing really wrong in that moment, but you know, just just having those numbers and looking at those numbers every month and seeing what's working and what's not and what's bringing in money and what's not. It's like that's like such a simple first step that a lot of gyms can do. Are there other things on that uh you know, kind of that financial side, the number side that that you really encourage every gym to to do in those initial stages with you?
1: Well, it's like I said, the the process we have is first, let's take a look and see, you know, what's happening today. Right. Revenue expenses and everything in between. And let's get an let's get an honest snapshot of the finances. Once we have that and we're on the same page about probably what you didn't think it was, um, because it's like I said, oftentimes a bit of a, a reality check. Um, there's then now the opportunity to say, OK, well, now let's figure out how we can get to your goal. And you know, one of the biggest things, uh, to answer your question, one of the biggest things that I, we recommend is to f- start focusing on average client value more than just overall bodies in the gym. You know, it's really where all the money is made in this business. It's not just on having, you know, big numbers, 200, 300, 400, 500, 900, doesn't matter. The money is made, the profit is made, um, uh, in the average client value. And that's in a combination of your membership pricing, right? So just the core membership offerings, your premium services like, you know, PT, nutrition coaching, all that good stuff, um, retail products, and a variety of other pillars that we can establish in the business. And that is oftentimes also a bit of an eye opener because most people, when we talk to them, we say initially, you know, what are your goals? What does success look like to you? Almost everyone tends to say a member number and then when the next question is okay at what average client value and they're like oh well my 150 and it goes back to that like well 100 times 150 equals Mm -hmm. and they think well once i get to that number it'll be awesome but what they're not factoring in is what what it's going to cost to support that the way they Mm -hmm. want to support that or what it would take to actually keep 150 members or 250 members or 500 members happy and engaged the cost for fulfillment and engagement in running that business goes up almost proportionately, depending on obviously what you're doing and where your values are, what you're offering. But general answer is that it goes up proportionately and you don't make much more, if any more, as you continue to grow, if those numbers don't work. And so what we do is we find and identify their mix. And that's the mix between the various different revenue pillars in the business to find out, okay, Based on your goals, your resources, you know, and, you know, what you've got working for you and against you, whether that's the staffing resources or it's, hey, I, you know, my role in the business short term versus long term, I don't want to have a bunch of coaches working for me. I just want a few full time people or a variety of other versions of that that we then can say, okay, based on that information, we're going to set this criteria around what your values are and what's most important to you short-term and long-term. And now let's look at this and identify what is the best way for you to get there. And in many, many cases, it doesn't take nearly as many members as people thought initially that it would because we can make up for that revenue and actually be far more profitable, oftentimes at a lower member number, which for many people is a, is a huge relief because they're thinking, oh man, I thought I was going to have to have, you know, two dozen coaches and so on and so forth. When, you know, one of the key things they said was, I want to know everyone's name They're you know, I want to have these relationships. I want to be super tight knit and all that. But then they show up and they say, you know, I want a, an 800 member gym. And it's like, well, those aren't necessarily, <laughs> that's going to be a challenge, right? Those are yeah. kind of going in the opposite directions. So Let's find that sweet spot from overall member size, average client value, and so on, you know, staffing size, you know, how big of a facility do you want, right? So how many members can you put in a class? And, you know, what, what do those numbers look like versus your square footage and then dollars per hour, dollars per square foot? All of that's considered so that we can come up with the right version of this for you.
0: And yeah, then when I hear that talk, that's it's then like- the
1: qualifying
0: I hear you saying like, like almost everything has to tell a story, whether it's the sales process has to tell a congruent story, which leads into the service offering and your upsells, whether it's the, uh, the, the reason you started the gym has to match up with the story of the goals you have now have and the things you're trying to achieve today. Um, do you guys have any really good exercises you do to like, clarify that story both either in internally in the gym owner in terms of what they're creating or externally in terms of the story they're trying to present to the public
1: well we take them through a whole set of exercises during the foundations program uh from you know to really a help them clarify that vision um uh, we start we go through a swot analysis to again look at strengths weaknesses opportunities and threats of the current model we identify who that ideal client is then we go through the money mapping exercise. And that process is really what helps us then clarify and set what i what we call the qualifying lens, which is the set of criteria that every decision we're going to make around sales, marketing, content, referral programs, pricing, cancellation policies for contracts, everything is then going to be made. Through that lens, so we have this initial process that go, that we take a few weeks going through when we're bringing someone new in to really clarify that because we want to measure twice and cut once because once we start talking about sales processes, intro offers, you know, content strategy, or you know, various marketing campaigns for whether it be retention or growth, it all should, it all has to match, right? It's all one big system. Remember to your members they're not looking at it as siloed phases, as like, oh, well, that was the sales process, and oh, then that was the on-ramp. To them, it's all one experience. And this is, at the end of the day, a relationship-based service business. And so we have to take everything into consideration, which is why we do the program the way that we do. We experiment with a whole variety of different teaching methods and program models for how we get our gym owners to be successful with what we're trying to get them to be successful with. And we've just found that, you know, starting with that and spending a little bit more time on that upfront allows us to be far more effective and efficient when it comes to, you know, everything sales, marketing, and growth related after that. Cool. Um,
0: so you, we, we've kind of talked about a little bit about like sort of the internal marketing, which is like basically retention, retaining the people you already have and getting referrals from those people. And then you kind of have like the external side, which is you know, the, how you show yourself to the outside world and then that sales process and everything is is really kind of part of that overall sales and marketing strategy. Do you, with the gyms that you work with, do you tend to focus more on the internal side or the external side? And is it very by size? Like, do you like, is it like, okay, well, once we get to 150 members, like we want to double down on the internal side and this is what it needs to look like. Or is it, is it the same regardless of size? How do you think about kind of the internal marketing piece versus
1: the external side? Great question. Um, we like to start on the internal stuff first because we want to make sure that we create a process and an experience that once we start adding people to it, that it's sticky and we can just then focus on growing and scaling and rather than you know putting a bunch of people into a broken system by focusing on external marketing first and then saying okay well then you know I'll then we'll clean it up after the fact but now you've created a lot more work for yourself in most cases now that said there's going to be different scenarios some people come to us and they're in a much more dire situation so where we may need to do some activation on the external stuff earlier on in the program just to make sure that we even have a chance to get to it later right yeah. and so so that said you know our ideal order of operations is to start with all the internal stuff. And when I say internal, that actually does include the, the sales, the onboarding that, that whole process, Mm -hmm. because that is the experience, right? The experience starts when someone hits your website. And so we start there and we go all the way through, I mean, their full life cycle, um, obviously not just the six months. So, um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. So we, well, yeah, well, I was going to ask
0: like, I mean, are there times where you're finding if you get so dialed in on the internal side that that engine just runs itself where you don't even need to worry about any type of ads, any type of, you know, anything like, yeah, you can throw fuel to the fire every once in a while if you want to, but have you found that some gyms can, when they just dial in the internal side and, and get that retention and referral side really running that, they don't even need to worry about the the external side.
1: That's actually our hope for all of them. Now, depending on someone's goals, that's what's really going to determine whether or not we feel, you know, paid advertising is or or to what degree of paid advertising is really necessary. I think it's an important aspect in all businesses to be able to turn that faucet on when you mm-hmm. want or need to. Um, but I think that advertising and a lot of that stuff, like more paid acquisition in general, um, should be looked at as a force multiplier, not as what you're relying on per se. Um, now, some people may may argue that, but you know, we've been doing this a long time, and you know, almost 1,500 gyms later, you know, we've seen it time and time again. If you really nail the product and the experience and the math works and the and the the process works and you've got a great culture, your natural, your organic growth, right? So what I mean by organic is just everything that's not paid. You can do awesome guerrilla marketing and referral programs and a whole, a whole slew of cool things you can do that don't require paid advertising, uh, you know, partnerships in your local market and so on. And we've seen people make that successful over and over and over again. And then we can add the advertising piece in as that force multiplier or to pick up during slower times of the year or to launch new programs or to, you know, a variety of different things. And that tends to be, I mean, that is our goal is that we don't want to be dependent on it. I want the organic systems to be able to keep the business healthy. And then we can use ads and other things outside external factors to really help grow faster or to you know close a gap quicker or, or you know whatever the goal is. Cool.
0: Um, I want to switch gears a little bit. I know you got you're a little short on time, so I wanted to get to it quickly. Which is, you know, you I think you're in a unique position where you've you've owned a gym and coached athletes in the gym. You know, you've been that gym owner who's coaching a ton of classes. You've also coached business owners like me, not just on gym stuff, but on You know, I know like online programs and stuff like that as well. And then you've coached coaches on how to coach those gym owners as well. So I guess my question is, how do you think about coaching? And then, you know, we can, we can extend to further questions after that. But my first one is just, how do you think about coaching? How do you think about providing value to different people at different stages and and different goals?
1: You know, at the end of the day, Andrew, like I'm, I'm a teacher. I love to help people learn things and accomplish things that they didn't know they were capable of or, you know, are going to complement their life. And, you know, I, I really discovered that in coaching athletes and, you know, I, I was already doing consulting prior to that, but I didn't really find my, uh, or really connect with the passion that I, that I've had now for the last decade in doing this as as well as I did when I started training people on movement and seeing the impact that we can have on people's lives. And that then evolved to, well, where's the bigger lever, lever? How can I make a greater impact? There are plenty of people who are way better at coaching movement than I am. Um, although I was passionate about it, I still am. Um, I, my, my thought was, well, let me help those people. So every gym owner that I can now help is going to impact, is going to help save, you know, thousands more people in their marketplace if, when they get their job, right? Because now they're not going to burn out in two to five years and instead can build a sustainable, successful, awesome lifestyle business that they can love to run uh, for many, many years. And so the impact was greater. So it really was just a shift, but it's, it feels to me the same, helping a gym owner as much as it, it, or as good as it felt for me, helping someone finally get their squat right, or finally do, uh, you know, achieve a PR that they, that they never thought was possible getting their first pull up or losing whatever amount of weight that they'd never been able to get past that same feeling. Uh, it's the same thing with a gym owner, because I know that I know what that will translate to. I know how many people they will touch and, and how powerful that is in a local market. I mean, I personally believe that gym owners are some of the most important people in our local communities because we are the ones helping people proactively manage their their health, their wellness, their, you know their and, and that of their kids, and you know, how we're raising people. You know, when we have a good outlook on movement and nutrition, we change that tra- we change that trajectory permanently in our local communities, right? Because now, the parents are looking at food and exercise differently, so they're teaching their kids differently, and that's going to continue to translate uh, on and on and on. So at the end of the day, for me, it's really the same thing. It's a matter of helping someone who who really wants to make a change and, and achieve something, whether that was in movement or it's now in business. Um, it's the same for me. Well, I
0: don't know if that what, answers your what, question. Yeah, definitely. What what mistakes have you made along the way in this, this broad category of coaching? Like what what are some things that you feel like you've improved at along the way? Um, and what were some of the kind of lessons learned on this, this coaching side for you?
1: You know, what it all comes down to is being able to listen, being able to really meet someone where they're actually at and, and help them identify where they actually want to go and bridge the gap. That's our job. And, you know, again, that's, is something I I discovered in, in helping people with their, with their fitness and their nutrition. Um, and now it's, it's in business, you know, but when we all start out, I think when we all start teaching and you teach this in your rockstar coaching course, you know, we start out as someone who's basically just regurgitating and talking at people, right. Regurgitating all the stuff that we've learned and, you know, kind of treating everything at face value and it's this way or the highway. And I don't really know the in-betweens and, you know, it's a lot of talking at people and not a lot of listening. And, you know, that's, I think, how we all start. And, you know, over the years, I've just learned to listen more and more and really try to understand where someone is and, you know, what's working for them and not, you know, becoming successful in business, I think, is a, a, a surefire way to have to address your personal development, you know, if you really want to move forward and progress. And if you can just understand that that's all it is. Is that these are people who are stuck on their own limit self-limiting beliefs and you know things that they were taught when they were growing up and or what they're still hearing from spouses family other people and that you know people aren't making these decisions uh you know in business or whatever based on knowledge they're doing it based on these feelings and these things they've been conditioned oftentimes their whole lives and that that's actually what's holding them back so if we can really get clear on where someone is in their life and where it is that they're actually trying to go and then can say, okay, like you're saying this, but I'm seeing this or I'm hearing this and being able to kind of call them on that and, and get them to understand it oftentimes for the first time, what it is that they're trying to say and what it is that they're actually trying to achieve and what success actually means to them rather than this kind of like the GPP definition of success that people have in this industry of like, Oh, well, this is what it means to be a successful gym owner. I call BS. I think that we all have our own definition of what success means to us. And whether it's from, you know, the monetary aspects of it to the roles within the business, to the impact you want to make to, you know, and, and everything in between, you have to just get clear on who you really are and what it is that you're actually trying to accomplish and what you want this business to do for your life. Not just I have a business and therefore I'm a slave to it and have to do whatever it takes. Instead, build a business that you love and build a business that's going to make the impact and provide you the lifestyle that allows you to continue to do it and continue to get better at it and stay excited about it so that, you know, you get a better output. And, you know, again, that's it all comes back to being able to listen and help people find where they are and where they want to go.
0: Awesome. I love that. Um, Who coaches you? you know you you do a lot of coaching yourself a lot of helping other people who coaches you or who serves as a mentor in your life or who has helped you along the way
1: you know i've i've been lucky to to find some really good mentors earlier on in my career that have made a a massive impact and i mean people that i learned from i mean when i was in my early 20s and just learning how to sell and just learning about business and, and marketing and, and experimenting. And I mean, I had no idea what I was doing when I was first getting started. And, you know, I, I was lucky enough to be around some really wonderful people and work for some wonderful people that have since become my mentor. So, uh, I would say the majority of it has really been through that and my own education through reading and podcasts and, and all that. I mean, that's what I did then and that's what I do now. And, um, My mentors are a little bit more engaged with me often, I think, than a lot of other people's are. Mm -hmm. Um, it's much more of like a coaching relationship than just someone who I call randomly for a cup of coffee. We have, you know, scheduled meetings. They hold me accountable. They challenge me. Um, they, they force me to look at things in ways that I didn't look at or to do the exercises and things that I might be avoiding for whatever own personal reasons and call me on my BS. Cool.
0: Do you have any, uh, do you have any resources, podcasts, books, anything? Um, and it could be something that's that's really specific to gym owners or it could just be on that more personal development side. Um, anything that you really
1: love or, or recommend to others? Jeez, that's a deep well. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it depends on where someone really is in their journey. You know, um, for me, I think oftentimes being able to start with some of the bigger picture stuff, to kind of set the lens and the mindset a little bit differently, I think tends to help for people rather than just diving into the tactical stuff and not being able to see how that plays into the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, guiding people towards any sort of, you know, self-development. I mean, a, a lot of the things that I'm discovering now in my career and in my journey are, are really, you know, more in the psychology realm and understanding myself and understanding people better. Um, and, you know, there's, I mean, there's lots of resources out there from, you know, people on Instagram, like the holistic psychologist who is just doing awesome work for people. Um, she's incredible doing, uh, you know, all sorts of, you know, ego work and, um, you know, inner child. And I mean, this sounds crazy, but again, your, your success in business is governed exclusively by your own limitations as a person, not just your chops in business. If you can get, if you can figure out who you really are, what you're really great at and love doing, what you're not really great at and don't love doing, and just get an idea of really what what you're trying to do in this life, I think it makes it much easier to do everything else. So places like that, um, I think, are good places to begin. And then obviously, starting with with some basics, I think everyone needs to understand selling and, and marketing and what that really means. There's a lot of misconceptions around it. A lot of people think selling is an ugly thing to do or a necessary evil. Um, and it's, in my experience, it's really one of the most beautiful things that we can do if you can learn how to do it well, because you are the one responsible for whether someone's going to change their life or not.
0: Yeah. If you believe in what you're selling, then, then sales is the ticket to that person getting it. So percent. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll wrap up there. Um, where can people find you find more about the foundations program and, uh, anything else you want to finish up with here?
1: Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram, Marcus Gerzi. Um, that's G E R S Z I, um, for my personal stuff. Um, and I do a lot of the business stuff through there, um, you can find me through Jim Wright, which is at JimWright.com, so G-Y-M-W-R-I-G-H-T. Um, and that'll, get, that'll point you to everything else from the network, our private Facebook group, our programs, everything that we do. Um, we've got a podcast every Friday that we do live on Facebook. Um, and we've got live Q&A sessions in the Facebook group. So whatever floats your boat, um, just go check it out and um, you know we'll see how we can help you. All right,
0: great. Thanks for the time, Marcus. It was great chatting with you.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me on.